sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour you'll find them at the back of the range and here's your host ben adelberg and welcome to the back of the range i am your host ben adelberg this is episode 278 little bit of a home game for me this week here at the back of the range a rare collegiate tournament is heading to south florida yes the players come to me instead of the other way around for a change this time well i'm heading to seminole golf club for the stevens cup unique event men's and women's teams 54 holes of stroke play before a match play finale actually the same setup that i saw at the sec match play at old overton i kind of like this format stroke play individual winners will be recognized and then we get a little taste of match play which as you know will pay dividends for these teams when they reach the national championship next spring my guest on this episode is cole anderson from florida state the Seminoles will be at Seminole. I mean, I guess they have to, right? Seminoles, Seminole. Sorry. Moving on. Cole is a native of Camden, Maine. And don't worry. If you've listened to previous episodes at the back of the range, you know I like digging into the hometowns of my guests and finding out how they got into the game. We definitely did that in this episode. We spoke about his collegiate career at FSU. He was a teammate of Vincent Norman and John Pock, a couple of my favorites that have since moved on to the pro ranks. We also discussed his summer exploits, which found him in the final pairing on Sunday of the Live and Work in Maine Open. So we got a guy from Maine that plays college golf in Florida that almost won a Corn Ferry Tour event in his hometown. Yep, that sounds like the perfect guest for the back of the range. We're going to jump into this one quickly. Don't forget to follow along on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Every episode and all that merch is available at thebackoftherange.com. Cole, welcome to the Back of the Range, sir. How are you? Thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure. Absolutely, man. It's. Uh, I'm glad we're able to get this scheduled. You know, when when we start dealing with, with my schedule and upperclassmen in college that are trying to play a little golf and get an education, I think the last time we tried to get this done, uh, you postponed because of some alleged financial management exam. How'd that, how'd that go, by the way? Uh, yeah, no, I um, I pulled an 80. Um, <laughs> you know, if we had done this podcast the week earlier, one, I don't think the podcast would have been as good, and two, my exam score definitely would not have been an 80. So, okay. Um, my mom would be proud of me for postponing. I was um, as I much was, as it as much as it pained me. Oh, I was fine with it. I thought it was great. I mean, all the you know. Well, you're a student athlete, Cole. That's what it is. I mean, you know, we're right. going to talk a lot about golf, but you know, there is there is that student part first, and the athlete stuff comes second. So exactly. Got it. And and you know, you're going to want to play professional golf someday, and financial management seems like a good idea to. You know, maybe, you know, maybe get closer to that 90 range than an 80, but you got time. You got time. Right. Exactly. We're building up. We're, we're going to peak at the right time. You're, you're trending as a lot of people say, right? Exactly. Okay. So we're going to talk a lot about what you're doing. You're obviously playing your college golf at, uh, at Florida State University, but I am, I'm kind of like a kid in the candy store here because, you know, 
the fun part of my job is not just you know reading the stats of of tournaments won and like you know the main amateur and uh, and different things like that. I love digging into where someone grew up, where they got into the game of golf, and I think I'm pretty sure you may be the first guest in the history of the back of the range from from the state of Maine. Camden, Maine, the jewel of the Maine coast. Did you know that Camden was the jewel of the Maine coast? True or false? I did. All I right. did. All right. Because I, I want to nerd out on just Maine stuff, and the listeners are going to have to just deal with it because I just find this. Let's very, do it. I know. So, um, growing up in Camden, Maine, now I'm looking at just over 5,000 people. Talk to me about your childhood and just growing up in Camden. Yeah. Um, it's kind of your classic tiny little new england harbor town um everyone knows everyone um you we've got lobstering is kind of the the um the trade of choice for a lot of people um and then we kind of run off off tourism um so the the population would about double in the summer um get a lot of people coming in and then in the winters when we all kind of hunkered down and uh became um became Eskimos for the, for the winners, basically. So I, I'm, I think if I remember right, my, so my dad took a motorcycle trip up to Maine many, many, many years ago, but I think he told me stories that you can just like buy lobster on the side of the road wrapped in newspaper. Is that still a thing? Yeah. Um, I don't know if it still is, but it was, yeah. What's the correct way to eat lobster in Maine? Let's get right to that point. Well, I think, you kind of have to do the lobster roll. That's what everyone talks about. Um, I mean, you can do it the, you know, the classic way, get the, the claw crackers and, you know, take the whole lobster and yeah. dissect it yourself. Or, you know, you have somebody do the hard work for you and put it between a slice of bread. And that's pretty good too. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the lobster roll would probably be the, the number one choice. Okay. Cause I'm, I'm thinking I'm right though, about you can just kind of buy it just on the side of the road, wrapped in newspaper and just kind of take it apart and, and just eat it right there. But I, I could be wrong. So yeah, you dip it in butter. It's good. Yeah. You yeah. Just exactly. Take it right out the shell. Yeah. Um, tourism. So if I'm thinking of coming up to Maine this summer, which is clearly, it is a possibility. I'm not going to lie it right about now. Uh, what is there to do in Camden, Maine? What's like, what's the best tour spots to hit in Maine? Um, well, we've got these, uh, these schooners that go out all day, old sailboats, um, double masted sailboats that, um, a lot of the locals, uh, are crew on and they go out on and do tours of the, um, the bay. Um, and that's, that's pretty special if you do one of the, uh, the sunset ones. And you're referring Um, to Penobscot Bay, of course. Correct, Sanabi. See, see, um, see. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I'm almost arrested. You're good. You know your stuff. Oh, well, we're not uh, even, we're not done yet. I mean, I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know who's listening right now. I mean, they have just switched it off. I don't care. I, we're not even done. I mean, we haven't even gotten to the United States National Toboggan Championships in February. Oh, what yes, is that now. about? Oh, that's the best, man. I, I've done that. That was basically up until I went to college. We had some family that would come up. Um, and my uncle had a house right on that pond, um, that they, that the toboggan shoots out onto, but it's essentially like a, a 200 foot ice slide. And you get on this piece of wood that they call a sled, put some, put some wax on the bottom to slick it up and you see how fast you can go down. You just, there's two man teams, three man teams, fours and fives, I think. 
Um, and you get going pretty quick. You get going, I think, I think you get going about 40. Now, I haven't seen this on like pointsbet.com or, or DraftKings, but I'm guessing there's a little bit of beer being, uh, being consumed and some betting on this. Am I right? Oh, it's a big, yeah, it's just a big party. Um, the, 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 the sledding is an afterthought. Okay. Um, it's just a, yeah, it, it truly is a uh, toboggan festival um, with the emphasis on the festival part. And obviously you're not accepting any prize money because you need to remain an amateur for, for college athletics. Right. Yep. No prize money. Not that we ever, uh, you know, there's some people that took it real seriously. You know, oh. they would prepare all year, like making their sleds and, you know, figuring out what the best, uh, you know, wax concoction was for the bottom. And so we didn't, we didn't have a chance. There was this team, they're actually called, um, the soggy bottom boys. Of course. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. And they, they were, uh, they, they came deep. They had, I think about eight teams. It was like a club toboggan club and they just, they cleaned house. I, I really think I need to see, I don't know. I want to check the summers out. Cause I'm, you know, as a Floridian, I'm, I'm, I like the warm weather, the, the but I, but man, this looks really interesting. And then Camden snowball is kind of like, is that like the town ski resort, so to speak? And when I say resort, yeah. obviously that's kind of a, a loosely uh, coined, I, you know, people think ski resorts are thinking of Aspen, they're thinking of Breckenridge and things like that. Um, I'm guessing this is almost the equivalent of just like, just like the local ski park yeah so you're gonna have to fact check me on this but i am about 90 percent certain that the camden snowball is actually the closest ski mountain to the ocean yes um, in no, the you're, 100, you're 100 right you there can, you go yeah because you, you can actually you can see the ocean from the top um yeah when, once you get off the chairlift you, you've got a view of the ocean um, so that was always, I skied a lot growing up as well. Um, so that was kind of a, a hot spot after school. You'd, there was a bus that went over there and you could, oh, uh, man, are you serious? That's yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was next. It's a, it's a good Camden's underrated, man. We, uh, we had some fun. That sounds like for yeah. only, for only 5,000 people. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. That just sounds like a really cool spot. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, knowing, knowing you, man, you, I think, I think that honestly, the uh, the toboggan fest might be might be your play, at okay. least initially, to give you a taste. Well, they probably don't have any content creators and photographers and videographers that that have my experience and know. I mean, I wonder if my cameras can shoot that. It's, they're probably just dialed in for golf, but maybe maybe it'd work. I think. I think we could make it happen. We okay. can do. I mean, I got a place for you to stay. Okay. We can start there. So you've got you've got that part of the plan ironed out. Okay. I'll let you take care of the camera gear and then we'll we'll get you set up. Yeah, I, I think that might be the plight. Yeah, I, I, that looks good. And the the snowball, I gotta be honest with you, me on skis is just it's just an ACL surgery waiting to happen. So I, I don't think that's gonna be the play for me. But be, but being a, a spectator at the Toboggan Championships in February, that that's looking uh that's looking like a possibility. Hey, have you remembered the fact that we're doing a golf podcast right now? I've completely forgotten. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was lost in uh, toboggan land. Okay, all right. So let's bring it on back. Uh, let's see if we can figure out how in this town of all this fun of lobstering and toboggan and schooners and skiing, uh, where where did golf come into play? How'd this happen? Um. So. It was a bit of dumb luck. I was a I was a baseball kid and uh, hockey. 
those were the first two um, loves of my life. And then it was actually, I think I was 11. Um, I had a little league game in the afternoon and it was the 4th of July. Um, and my teammate on my little league team asked if I wanted to go uh, play nine holes with um, him, his dad and my dad. And I was like, I've never played golf before, but sure. So we went and we played nine holes and uh, I begged my dad to let us play the back nine too. Um, and as the story goes, I guess we pulled up to the little league game, um, at getting, getting dressed for the game in the car as they were holding up, um, as the umpire was waiting, um, so that our team had enough players to, to field the game. And, mm -hmm. uh, so then decided that fall that I was going to, uh, use my fall to, uh, play some golf on the golf team. And I got pretty hooked and that was about it. So basically just randomly a, a teammate on on your little league team just says, Hey, come try this thing. And you're like, yeah, I'm in. Yep. Yep. That was it. It, uh, yeah, it had me after that. It became a, it probably didn't become a full blown obsession until the next summer. Um, I had a little, little nine hole track goose river golf club. And, uh, it's technically the next town over, but it's about three minutes from my house. Um, and my mom would drop me off there on her way to work in the morning, um, in the summer and pick me up on her way home when it was time for dinner. Um, and I would just go around and around and around in circles on this little nine hole course. Um, and that's, that's kind of where it all began. And that was the end of uh, little league, I'm guessing, so to speak. I mean, at some point, you, did you make the full transition or did you play baseball for, for most of your childhood? So I actually played baseball basically up until I came to college. Wow. Um, okay. I took that last season off, uh, came in, came into school early at Florida state. So I couldn't play, um, in the spring, um, of my senior year, but we, I played all throughout then. And then I played hockey up through freshman year as well. I got a couple of pretty gnarly concussions and, um, Jeez. decided that I didn't want to be Mr. CTE. So that was when the focus really started heading towards golf, but I did play baseball and hockey through, through most of the childhood. Now, did they invite you back to Camden for the Jersey retirement, you know, re retired number 12 for Camden Hills? Did they bring you back for that or like number 12? Wow. And he knows that too. That's impressive. I mean, did they bring you back or, or is it still, are they I haven't, they're still reviewing the possibility of that? Yeah, no, I haven't been, I haven't been nominated yet, unfortunately. Um, travesty. Yeah, no, it's a little bit of an injustice, but it's um, a lot of politics maybe, and stuff like that. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's strictly political. Yeah. Um, yeah, no big deal. So FSU, uh, you know, yeah. 1,500 miles away from Camden is Tallahassee, Florida. FSU, I'm sure, I'm guessing at some point your junior golf career, I, you know, you did great in high school golf, and I'm guessing some AJGA tournaments brought you in front of the eyes of uh, college coaches and uh, if, if that's, I'm guessing that's how it took place. So what was your first meeting like with, uh, with Trey Jones, your coach right now at FSU? Yeah. Um, so that was more or less how it went. Um, I kind of knew pretty early on from in junior golf that I wasn't going to be able to play the schedule that a lot of these guys were um, just because it required getting on a plane every time I wanted to play golf. And that just wasn't really an option. Um, so I kind of decided that I was just going to start cold calling 
coaches because that was back when if you called them and they answered, you could talk. Um, it was before the rule change where they couldn't can't talk to you until you're a junior. Right. Um, so I just started blowing up phones um, and filling out as many questionnaires <laughs> as I could. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and, I, and, you know, the, the conversation generally went is like, you know, I would explain like, yep, I'm from Maine. Yep. My, my resume is not going to be uh, quite as stout as a lot of the guys you're recruiting, but just, do you mind giving me a look? And, uh, you know, Trey was one of the coaches that, you know, did that. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's funny. A lot of people say that it was definitely like a disadvantage um, being from Maine, but in a weird way, I think it kind of gave me an advantage. Cause I guess when you're, when you're an exception to the rule, um, you know, it then poses the question, like, why is he an exception to the rule? Yeah. No, hundred percent. Um, and I think, so I think the, the thing that really helped me was that there was the, the question of like, if he's gotten good enough to at least compete in AJGAs and, you know, kind of hang, I hadn't had a whole lot of success yet, but you know, I could hang and like compete, um, you know, will he be able to, you know, what will we be able to do when we can get him into a, you know, 12 month climate and, you know, get him into a good program. Um, so I think it kind of helped me in a weird way. Um, and so then once, once he expressed some real interest, uh, I think it kind of, you know, stirred up some other teams too, that were like, why is, you know, why is Florida state recruiting this kid from a town with 5,000 people where it snows for six months out of the year. Um, but you know, and then it just sort of came down to, um, you know, Florida state was my best, uh, total, total, uh, picture from a program, um, you know, location. I have some family in Florida, so, um, you know, I'm close to family and it just sort of, it was a good fit. And, you know, here we are almost four full years later. Um, glad, glad I was able to make that happen. Yeah. And it's interesting that you bring up, you know, the advantage, you know, I guess my takeaway from that is like, if you had the same resume, but you lived in Texas or California or North Carolina or, or Florida, something like that, the coaches would be like, well, he he's, has all the opportunities to play in the same tournaments as, you know, player A, B, C, D, and E, but he's not doing it. Or, you know, why, why isn't he playing as much as these other kids? But yeah, it's it, not to say it was an excuse, but it was just a factor where, yeah, let's look at this kid. Let's find out what, uh, you know, you know, what's making him tick and maybe he's a good fit. What were, you know, you mentioned that FSU was a good fit for you. What were the things that you looked for? Cause like you said, you were getting recruited by other coaches this time. What jumped out to you so much besides the family connection in Florida, you know, what jumped out to you so much about the program, the university, coach Jones, the team, you know, what were some of those factors you know, perhaps again, juniors listen to this podcast, parents listen to this podcast. What are the things that jumped out to you that said, okay, this, this is a possibility. Yeah. Um, I think it was when I went on my visit, um, the, one of the biggest thing and it's, you know, again, it's kind of a, it's not necessarily something that everyone would look for right away, but I, I, I got the sense that the guys on the team when I was there and, and, you know, even coach Jones and coach duck, um, they weren't, they weren't really trying to sell me anything. 
Um, it was sort of like, here we are. This is how we operate. You can hang around, watch a practice. You know, here's here's all the facilities. But, you know, they cared more about me seeing the way they worked and the guys were kind of the same where it was, you know, I, I didn't really get any overly special treatment, I guess, from, uh, I guess just, you know, they take care of everything and it's, it's amazing. I, I don't want to, you know, misconstrue this. Um, but it felt very authentic and real. Um, and I appreciated that a lot. And, um, you know, I think, uh, it's a, it's a very competitive environment, um, you know, where your job's never really safe from a lineup perspective. And so it kind of keeps you hungry. And, um, you know, obviously coach Jones has a, a pretty impressive track record as far as, um, you know, helping, uh, create professional golfers, um, and his role that he plays in that. And he, you know, he does an incredible job and, you know, they, you know, right away you can tell they, they operate as a, you know, it's, it's a family environment. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's just a good, a good place to call home if you're a student athlete, um, which I think is, you know, almost more important than anything. Cause it's, you know, it's a, it's a challenging, you know, we have a lot of things that, you know, are, are pretty cushy about our lives, but at the same time, um, you know, it's challenging. So to be somewhere that, you know, you're, you've got, um, you know, kind of a second family around you, um, helps a ton. Well, I think that's a smart way of doing it where they're kind of opening up the doors and saying, you know, this is who we are. Like, you know, you can find, you know, facilities, you can find great ones, uh, you know, at, at a lot of universities and, and the courses and the campus. Yeah. That, you know, you'll find that anywhere, but that sounds like that's a real smart way for them to do it, just to go up, open the door, and say, "This is who we are." If this looks like it would be a fit for you, you um, you played uh, alongside John Pock, um, mm-hmm. really the very first winner of the PGA Tour U points race. I mean, eight tournament wins, tied a record there at FSU with Nolan Henke. I mean, you really were with one of the best college players of this of the last you know decade, so to speak. And now you're actually one of the elder statesmen on the team, you know, you and Brett Roberts and Fred Ketrup and, you know, you guys are the, are the juniors, you got, you guys are the leaders of this team. Um, what are some of the things that you learned from a John Pock that you've kind of been able to shape and mold um, into your own approach to lead this team that you're, you know, helping out guys, you know, like Michael Mays and, and Luke Clanton uh, incoming fresh, you know, freshman on the team, you know, how has that kind of changed for you as the last couple of years have, have gone by? I would throw Vincent Norman in that mix too. Of, oh yeah. 100%. Um, being able to see, and you know, there's a reason I'm tossing him in is he, the, the two of them, what I learned most is the, they were so good at figuring out what their identity is as a golfer and what they're good at and what they, you know, what they need to work on um, in their routines to be successful. And they just stuck to that religiously. Um, you know, so they each had a different way of going about things. You know, John was a, John was um, I guess John was more about quality than quantity when it came to practice. So his, his sessions, he had a few things that he would, you know, look for. And then 
um, in his technique. And if everything checked out, he might only hit 15, 20 balls and say like, all right, like iron game's fine. Um, and then move on to a different area of the game. Vinny was a little more of a ball beater, but that's what he, he needed to really ingrain his, his feels to feel comfortable. And, um, you know, just the fact that for me, recognizing that neither of those approaches are wrong in any way, um, they're just different. And they both knew that that's what worked best for them. I think I spent a lot of time as a junior, uh, trying to figure out what, what was the best way hands down, regardless of whether it felt right to me. Right. Um, and I think realizing like that there is a lot of individuality to this, especially in like how you prepare. Um, you don't necessarily have to prepare exactly like the guy next to you. Um, and I think that's another cool thing about Florida state here is we have, um, you know, I would say half of every practice is fairly, um, structured from a, like, there might be two or three drills that we all have to knock out. Sure. Um, but the, the second half of every day is generally, a more individual, um, work on what you need to work on type of setup. And then the day before we leave for tournaments, we just call it a prep day where it's like, you literally have free reign of the facility to just do what you need to do to get yourself prepared to play a golf tournament. Um, and I think that that just sort of like fosters that growth in a lot of us of realizing that there isn't a one size fits all um, approach to this. And, you know, those older guys definitely did a great job of sort of, um, you know, not, not, not just teaching, but, you know, just leading by example and, you know, showing that, you know, we, we couldn't practice any more different, but we're two of the, you know, we're both going to be ready to perform when it's time to put the tee in the ground. Yeah, I remember just seeing John last year at the Valspar just clearly just just clearly the leader of that team. I mean, just so such maturity and just talking to the other guys on the team. I just remember seeing a lot of that last year at at Floridian. And how did, how has coach Jones helped you find kind of find your best path of getting better? Cuz it's one thing for a freshman to come in and and you know, think they know what's best for them and, and search and look and find it. But you got to look over to your coach who has, like you said, has experience growing PGA tour players. I mean, you know, we'll talk a little bit about Brooks Kepka a little bit later, but how, it, how has he helped you find what works best for you? Yeah, I think, I think the, the interesting thing about that is a lot of the time he would take a more, hands-off approach and I and I mean that as in he he would I guess let me struggle a little bit yeah and I think that there's a lot to be said for that of just like I know he I know what he needs to do but I want him to figure out part of it on his own before I tell him I know right um and I think it makes the learning a little bit more meaningful um and you know I it's taken me a while like I you know I feel like I'm just now starting to kind of play at a level that, um, you know, I'm, I'm fairly pleased with. Um, but it's been, you know, there's a lot of experimentation of, you know, trying, trying things and, um, you know, you just, the, the process never really changes, right? Like you, you start, you, you start playing golf and you got to figure out how to hit the center of the club face. And so you try a couple of things like, Oh, that felt pretty good. That worked you know, and then, you know, oh, this didn't toss that out. And 
you know, that carries on till, you know, here, here we are playing, you know, high level college golf and the process is still the same as far as, you know, you, you try and you, you just diagnose the problem and then, um, you know, chip away at it for a while. Um, but I do feel like now, you know, through, you know, them, them offering information and allowing me to kind of, you know, filter it on my own as well. Um, you know, we're kind of at a point now where I'm, I'm not really making a lot of changes and I feel like I have a good solid routine of, you know, how I, how I improve my game. And I think that they do an incredible job of once they recognize that you've kind of found that just helping you reinforce it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, giving you the reminders here and there, if, uh, you know, what that looks like for you. And, um, you know, maybe there's a, you know, week where, they say like, this just looks slightly off. Let's, let's add an extra 20 in this area of your routine. And, um, you know, I think, I just think they do a very good job of, um, switching their approach up based on, you know, what the individual player needs. I definitely want to talk a little bit about your, um, experience playing in, uh, on the corn Ferry tour this summer as an amateur, you know, obviously this is the, the natural progression, you know, amateurs that achieve a lot, have hometown ties will get uh, you know opportunities like you did in in Maine uh, with sponsors exemptions and then you parlay that into a second start because of your great finish. But you know one interesting topic I always like tackling is uh, you know you're you're a two time Maine amateur champion. You won it back to back in 2019 and 2020, and you know as well as anyone the challenge of kind of uh, you know world amateur golf ranking making a schedule where the competition is great, but also it gives you an opportunity to kind of, uh, you know, climb the ranks. And the challenge of supporting state golf associations when trying to advance as an amateur, I mean, this is something that you, you had to make that decision. You didn't play in 2021. Um, how, how do you, and actually your, your friend Caleb Manuel won it, so that's kind of interesting. I know you guys are really tight. What What is kind of your perspective on, amateurs juniors picking their schedule but also wanting to play their hometown events i know you made the decision not to play how how do you see that changing or or is it just the the nature of the beast when you kind of accelerate through the amateur ranks yeah i mean the you know the the part that is frustrating about it is not so much that not so much that those tournaments don't offer you a an opportunity to move up in the ranks, but that they can actually hurt you way more. Um, you know, like the, if I had won, if I had played that third year and I had won, realistically, my world ranking was going to go down. Um, and I, you know, that's, you know, whether that's a, a flaw in the system or, what exactly it is. Um, you know, I, I don't know enough about exactly how Wagger operates to, um, to really speak on that. Um, but it, you know, it, I'm not going to, it sucks. Um, I think all of us would like to play our state am and not feel like there's any negative repercussions of that. Cause it's regardless of where you're from and the, you know, the competition level, like that's an important week of the year. Everyone looks forward to their state am. Um, Um, so, you know, it's unfortunate, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, there is a, there's a realistic side of it's, it's, 
it's necessary if you get to a certain point to just say like, you know what, I, I need to, I need to move on. Um, and, you know, I'm lucky where the, you know, the MSGA has always been incredibly supportive. So they, you know, they understood um, and I, you know, they still do. And I'm still close with a lot of the guys from there. Um, but there, you know, there does come a point where um, I, I don't think it has a whole lot to do with the competition level for most people. I think it does just kind of come down to that, the, the world amateur rankings where that it just doesn't, um, you know, there's, I understand it's a, it's a math thing. So it's, yeah. it's not, they're not taking emotion into the, the ranking system. I, I get that. Um, but I think, I think if you asked most of us college golfers, if we, you know, if the amateur ranking system was different, would we play our state ams? I'm, I'm sure most people would say, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to see a situation with Wagger and I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, it's not my expertise either. I don't know how it would happen, but it, I would love to see a way for an amateur to declare one term in a year that would have no negative Wagger ramifications that way. Yeah. Oh, it'd be perfect. I mean, a player once a year, Hey, I want to go play this County amateur. I grew up playing junior golf in, you know, Palm Beach County, or I grew up playing junior golf in Camden, Maine. They've been great to me. And I'd like to, you know, I'd like to play in it. Um, you know, I, yes, I just won the AJGA, you know, invitational, but I want to go back and play my junior, my junior County amateur. Uh, I want to go play my state amateur. That state uh, golf association has done so much for me and yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, I'd love to see that happen. Uh, but let's i gotta ask so so let's talk about this the live and work in main open clearly one of the best titles of a tournament i think i've ever seen or heard of which is awesome um you get it you i it's just i was like yeah that says it all just live and work in maine um you get a sponsor exemption into this and when people think of sponsors exemptions they probably think of pros that are lobbying and sending letters and I need a spot in your tournament. I don't think that was the case with you. You actually got a call. You, you got cold called, didn't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think flavor of the it, week, helped man. That the, it, it helped that the tournament was named live and work in Maine open. And you're a mayor. Um, so, I mean, it, it, yeah, it helps yeah. Out. So, so, uh, and the, the, the guy responsible for the, um, promotion of, uh, the event, um, was a part of the Fenway sports group at one point, um, in Boston, uh, with the Red Sox owner. So he had ties to new England and, um, you know, was pretty passionate about, you know, the idea that there should be some main representation in the event. Um, and it just so happened that, uh, you know, Caleb and I had, have both been, had both been doing well. Um, and, you know, so we, you know, he called about the, the possibility and, it was obviously a, a no brainer for both of us. Um, you know, anytime that you can, you know, play on a major tours, um, event and, you know, f to double with it being, you know, close to home for both of us was, you know, it was probably the easiest, the easiest yes to a tournament inv invitation I've ever, ever gotten. And and most of the time amateurs and college players are getting into corn fair events by winning a, a college tournament. I know, uh, you know, this week, Patrick Welch is going to be playing, uh, the Shriners because he won in, in Vegas last year. And, um, you know, uh, 
Matthew Riedel at Vanderbilt, who who won the individual stroke play title at the SEC match play. He's going to get a Corn Ferry uh, exemption later on uh, next year. Uh, so so normally these players, they go, they get their feet wet, they get to rub elbows with the pros, they shoot 72-75, they miss the cut, they have the obligatory post on Instagram, thank you for the experience, I learned so much and can't wait to get back. Yeah. And then they're like, well, we're, there you went, that's it. Um, you didn't do that. Uh, you come out of the gates with a pair of 67s, make the cut easily, and you're in this thing. And at this point, I'm guessing, yes, you had family and friends that were with you f- from the beginning. But when you make the cut and then make th- well inside the cut, you're on the first page. Um, things probably got really interesting really quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I, I did do the, uh, the first part of that progression where he, you know, it's like, Oh, excited for the opportunity. Let's go learn. Yeah. 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 You know, all that. Let's get um, as much free crap as we can from the tour vans. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was, that was, you know, it was the, 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 the typical college golfer plan of attack for a first corn ferry event. Um, and then I played good the first day. Um, and I was like, all right, that didn't, feel too different from you know what i would be doing you know if i was playing for florida state right now so we'll just go try and do that again tomorrow sure and then and then i did and i was like all right well still doesn't feel overly different i'm you know i'm playing quite nice but i don't feel overly out of my element yet and then it it kind of it shifted a little bit um you know you start to you start to think um, about possibilities of outcomes and, you know, things that could potentially happen. Um, and that's where, you know, I, I had a good conversation with, uh, with coach Jones um, that night. And he told me the same thing. He tells me a lot of the time, which is, it's one of the, one of the best pieces of golf advice I've ever gotten and, and life advice, honestly, is he just tells me to stay where my feet are. Um, and it sounds silly. Cause you know, how are you, how are you not going to stay where your feet are? But from the sense of you, you don't let your mind go anywhere except for where you're standing. Um, Love it. Love it. And so I just, I just kind of tried to ride with that for the weekend. Um, and I got hot Saturday afternoon and uh, started to kind of make a run at it. Um, so yeah, I just sort of tried to tried to stick with that mantra for the week of just, just stay where your feet are and, don't change the, you know, you came into it just trying to learn as much as you could. Why? And it's, it's obviously you're playing well. So why would you go into the weekend trying to do anything other than just learn a lot? Um, so basically you so. got way too acclimated to shooting 67 in the first two rounds and felt maybe I need to test my limits and get out of my comfort zone. Let me just hang a 64 uh, and just let all hell break loose around town. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I, I did end up having to turn the phone off on uh, Saturday night. Um, I started to feel the, you know, go get it done tomorrow texts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which that did not, know, come, that, that did not come from me, by the way. I, I, I was not, the, I didn't do that. So um, I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, you don't need that stuff. Um, but no, it, it, it I'm guessing at that point, because everyone's starting to realize, hey, we got a local kid in here doing something pretty special. Um, and I think I remember uh, an interview you did uh, when, when uh, you know, the Corn Ferry Tour interviewed you. They're just like, okay, well, when did this get kind of 
kind of silly in the point of like, okay, yeah, now that everyone's watching me. I think you ran in a putt late in that third round and you kind of looked around and you're like, oh, okay, uh, everyone's here now. Yeah, there was, I think it was four in a row that I made. Uh, like, I think it was uh, 14, 15, 16, and 17. I birdie all of those and each one, it just felt a bit louder. Sure. Um, and the third one was where it was probably about a 25 footer is par three. And the putt was, it was creeping and it just turned back in left at the end and caught the right edge and dropped. And that was the first one where I was like, whoa, like this just got very real, very fast. Um, and I actually, I got up onto the next tee and I, I'm I'm kind of incriminating myself with this story, but my you my up caddy and, ended you up asking me if you teed up. In front <laughs> of, oh no! Okay, sorry, different. Story. Sorry. <laughs> my uh, my caddy asked me if I was okay because I could not get the ball on the tee. Oh, okay. Um, it the hand just started shaking. Um, from you know, I just had an adrenaline rush and yeah. I I had to take a little step back and just breathe for a second because I was I was so amped. It wasn't. It wasn't a bad shake necessarily. I was just, I was amped. Yeah. That would have um, been a nice time for a lobster roll, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. See? Just bring me back to earth real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no. So, you know, to obviously to share the lead going into Sunday was about all you could ask for. Um, and it, it helped, honestly, I, I got, I've said this to a few people that it helped a lot. I played with, I only played with two people I didn't know. Because the Corn Ferry Tour right now is, um, you know, there, there's a lot of guys from that are just leaving college now that have made that jump pretty yeah. quick. Um, so, you know, I, I played with Quaid uh, Cummins the third day, which, you know, Quaid and I have played against each other in college golf multiple times. And, so, you know, there was a lot of it where it, it felt comfortable um, just from a, the company I was sharing on the golf course. And obviously playing the last day with Pearson, Pearson and I have played together before. And, you know, I know Pearson well enough to, you know, we, we had some good conversation throughout the day and it just kind of kept things light for me, which was nice also. Yeah. That's a good position to be in because, you know, the corn freight tour, I'm, yeah, there's a lot of college guys that made the jump and they're out there, but there's also a lot of guys that are 28, 29 years old, 30. I mean, there's guys that are, you know, grown ass men that really don't care about some hometown amateur that's trying to get in their pocket. Um, right, you know, right. I mean, obviously you're not taking their money cause you're staying as an amateur, but still they're, they're trying to, to climb up the ranks. They can get off the corn free tour. They're trying to pay the bills. And at some point they could easily and potentially get a little bit annoyed and like, all right, this hometown kid crap, uh, we're about done with this. I got to get to work. But, uh, you, again, Quaid, you know, awesome guy and, and Pearson doesn't come any better. That final round with him, that's really the dream scenario for you at this point, isn't it? Yeah, no, it was, I mean, I was obviously nervous as could be, um, but the, you know, Pearson, Pearson, like you said, is as nice as they come. And, uh, you know, just, he kind of gave me a look on the first tee of like, this is really cool, man. Like I'm about to go out and drop 29 on your ass, but you're, <laughs> this is really cool. There's no, like, way, there's no way Pearson Cody would ever say that. Just so you know, there's no way he would say, oh, I well, know. I got, I, I had a, I had a good start. I mean, things worked out for me. Like, shut up, Pearson. You shut 20. Yeah. 
exactly. Yeah, no, he knew what he was doing, but he uh, he did kind of, you know, he he did mention before. He just said, "This is this is cool, man. Like, congrats. You know, regardless of what happens today, like this is really cool." And yeah. uh, you know, just to give you one more short story on Pearson, just so I can, you know, blow some more smoke at him. Oh no, no, um, I want the story where we make fun of him. Do you have that one? <laughs> no, he was. Uh, I'm trying to think of what, what can I make fun of Pearson for on the day? But no, this is a good one. This is a good one. This will, this will make him look real good. Oh, geez. Um, like we need to do that. So around here. yeah, That's right. Fun. Exactly. No. So we, we get through the day. Um, you know, he, he did his thing on the front nine. I, you know, I was out there for an hour and a half and I looked up and I was eight back and I was like, all right, well, fair enough. And so we're coming up 18 um, he obviously had it in the bag and I knew that, um, I hit first into the green, then he hit his approach. And at this point, I don't know exactly how many people there were around 18, but it was probably 3000, something like that. That's, uh, that's um, enough. which was, yeah, it was more than I'd ever seen at a golf course before. Um, so I, you know, I quickly remembered that you know, this is professional golf and what you're supposed to do is, you know, book it ahead and let, let Pearson have his little victory walk. So yeah. he was about 50 yards away from me. And so I kind of yelled over to him. I just said, Pearson, I'm going to go. And he goes, he turned around and he goes, no, man, this one's all you, you got it. And he went up ahead and kind of opened up the opportunity for, you know, I got a pretty, pretty cool ovation from the crowd that kind of choked me up a bit. Um, but just that, you know, just to talk about how good of a guy Pearson is for him to, you know, he's about to win his first corn Ferry tour event. And, you know, he, he wanted to step aside and, um, you know, give me that moment, which was, you know, meant a lot to me to, you know, in front of my, my home people, but, you know, I was just, it was, it was cool, um, to see, you know, him, him be that that selfless in a pretty pretty giant moment in his life it's kind of annoying how he can be just such a good guy and then also whip your ass at the same time isn't isn't just, it man i mean you know isn't that just an absolute pain in the ass like you want to hate him i know but you can't oh, you can't <laughs> no that's a great story i i i know that is that's an incredible thing for him to do because as you said, I mean, he's I mean, he's just a couple months out of college, basically where you are. I mean, you're 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 you just were at the national championships at Greyhawk and now he's trying to start his career and he gets that first win. Um, you know, this is I, I want to ask you this, not so much directed at you, but someone that can like on, on the outside looking in. Someone says, well, all right, Cole, um, or, or someone that has your similar resume. Okay, great, you know, great college career, nice uh, D1, um, you know, tons of, you know, great, you know, great finishes and top tens and this and that. And you have three top tens this season, but you haven't won in college. And if someone on the outside looking in says, looks at this and says, okay, you haven't won in college, how are you going to win in the pros? Now, this isn't coming from me. This is just coming from someone that's on the outside looking in and just doesn't know a whole lot about the, the, the ranks. How much does the the live in Maine open or live and live and work in Maine open do for you to give you the confidence for the next level? Yeah, it just sort of solidified for me that this dream 
it, there is still a chance of it being a reality, you know, yeah. um, and a good one. Um, and just sort of reassuring me that, you know, you're, you're on the right track. Um, and I know I haven't won yet in college and, um, trust me, I, that's, you know, that's item number one on the list at the moment. Um, but you know, I, I guess I wouldn't even say that. Um, I've always tried to keep the headspace of like, just keep improving. Um, until I, until I feel like I'm not improving for an extended period of time, like there's like, it's all good. Um, don't get too wrapped up in the, you know, are you putting your name on trophies right now? Right. Um, and like, yeah, I mean, trust me, I would have loved to have run up, you know, more of a, a stat sheet here at Florida state so far, but, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, things, you know, the cards fall as they, as they will. And, um, a lot of times you don't have a, a whole lot of control over that sort of thing. I mean, you know, I've had multiple opportunities to win and I've, you know, run into some buzz saws and, um, you know, most recently like, you know, Caleb, Caleb Surratt shooting, you know, he shot 18 under for three days and I shot 15 and it's like most weeks, if I shoot 15 under, I'm going to feel pretty good about my yeah. chances of winning a golf tournament. Yeah. Um, and you know, he, he obviously played great and it's, you know, it's, it's just not, you got to keep reminding yourself. It's like, yeah, it might not be your time yet, but just be patient. Um, so yeah, just to have that reassurance of just because you haven't won at college yet doesn't mean you, you aren't turning into the type of player that could, could do this professionally. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm, I feel like I'm starting to kind of see, see that as, um, you know, I, not only can I hang with the guys in college, but I'm, you know, starting to put myself in positions where, you know, I'm, I'm in the conversation for these tournaments, uh, consistently. Yeah. Um, and so just, you know, it, it did a lot for sure. Yeah. No, I, I like that. Um, I like, I like your, your perspective on that because as I said, that's something that, you know, to the uneducated that don't understand that okay just because you're not winning at the college level does not that has no bearing on what you may do as a professional but uh the the work ethic that you have and the natural progression of improving that's something that really needs to be focused on so i'm glad you brought that up um you kind of had a taste of the pro-life where you you go from maine and then you obviously by by this finish you have you you get into the next one in colorado so you're going from Maine where things could not be any more comfortable and routine to, okay, now I need to go out to TPC Colorado and figure this place out, feel the, figure the elevation out. Um, you missed the cut. Um, I'm not bringing up that for the point of just saying, hey, you missed the cut, but this is like I'm guessing your first taste of pro-life. Okay, good week. Let's get, in the, let's get on the plane and get out of here. We got to do it all over again. Did you like, I know you travel for playing FSU, but did you like kind of that aspect for just two weeks to kind of dip your toe into what the pro-life would, would possibly be? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was cool. Um, you know, we do, we do an abbreviated sort of version of that, you know, like, I think that's one of the cool things. I think that's part of the reason you see all these guys that come out now and are just like prepared to play on tour. Um, cause they, you know, they, they know how to travel and all that. Um, but the it was the first time that I've ever gone to a tournament not thinking I was going to that tournament three days prior. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the, the turnaround was fast and, you know, my poor mother scrambling to find <laughs> flights. Um, I looked at her after the, the final round of the event and 
she just kind of gave me this look like, here we go. And I was like, yeah, this is it. This is what, you know, this is what I want it to look like. Um, so, you know, she, she does a lot for me to, you know, take care of the logistical side of things still. Um, but it was cool. I got to convince my, um, you know, pretty easily my, my caddy for the week in Maine to come out with me. Um, so him and I got on a flight, um, the next day, um, and went out there, obviously didn't play quite as well as I would have liked. Um, but you know, from it's, it's hard out there. Um, it's, they, you know, they, they play a very high level of golf very consistently and there isn't a whole lot of room for getting hot for one week and then just ho-humming it around. You gotta be, you gotta be on your stuff all the time. Um, and I think, you know, I was able to, to learn definitely about what I need to do moving forward as far as time management and keeping myself relatively fresh. Um, you know, not, not practicing for too long, being as efficient as possible, making sure you, you block in some rest time in the hotel and, um, you know, all these things that you get a taste of it in college golf, but, you know, not to that extreme where it's, you know, it, it was, I had played the sunny Hana right before the main event as well. So it was effectively my third straight week. Um, so that was kind of my, my first taste of, you know, three, three, four day events in a row. Um, obviously the last one was cut a little short, but, um, just the, you know, I couldn't be more grateful for how that all played out for me just in terms of, you know, what I was able to learn, what I was able to accomplish and, you know, just the, the conversations I had on the range with guys that have been out there and you know, the people you get to meet, and, um, you know, it was a pretty dream scenario for me. Yeah. You kind of got a, you kind of parlayed a sponsor's exemption into a two week, I don't want to say crash course, but just a really a two week summer trip to get everything in. You got the ham and the contention, uh, vibe. I got the, well, I'm slamming a trunk, missing a cut. It kind of sucks. I got to fly all the way out to Colorado and fly home. So, I mean, you got, you got every, type of experience you can imagine so uh yeah i think that's a that's a great way to look at it yeah exactly all right so so cole you have another i mean basically the fall season here is wrapping up and then a, a really big spring i know i'm going to be seeing you as always uh, next spring at the valspar championship at the floridian but um you got a lot of stuff in florida that you're playing in and uh yeah Oh, we're going to make a little trip down to Seminole. You're going to come down here to Palm Beach and just hang out at Seminole. That's uh Stevens Cup. That's not a bad uh that's not a bad part of college golf, is it? Yeah, our schedule this year is is pretty nuts. Um we yeah, coach coach has cooked up a good one for us this year. Um so yeah, I mean, Seminole's I've I haven't played it myself, but I've heard nothing but good things obviously yeah, john easy. played a walker cup there it's easy, it's easy. um yeah that, easy. yeah that's that's not one of the things oh, that i've heard okay. um but <laughs> but obviously john john played a walker cup there so he's kind of uh given given the boys a little bit of a rundown and um coaches coach has obviously been there um a few times so um you know i'm looking forward to to seeing it and seeing what it's all about and obviously seeing you as well Oh, Bear, um, that's go. high up on my yeah. high up on my list of yeah. things I'm excited for next Unbelievable. week. Unbelievable! I mean, you got Seminole going to Cabo, um, Valspar. Got uh, your home tournament in Tallahassee, ACC championships at Pinehurst. I mean, how how do you leave college golf? I, I mean, I would 
man, I'd try and figure out a way just to extend eligibility for like eight, nine years. I mean, I went to college for like eight years. If Dude, I, I, well, I told you this at the Western. I, I said, I, I don't know what guys are in a hurry for. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I don't see the harm. And, you know, I think, I think the life that Stuart Hagestad lives on the elite amateur circuit is see? pretty, pretty enviable. Yeah, your your lips to God's ears. I mean, that's kind of what I've been saying to a lot of guys when I see them. I'm like, you 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 know, you do understand that you got to. This is getting a job when you go play professional golf, and there's other ways to make money and still play golf. But that's just me. That's a whole other episode. I don't want to dissuade someone from uh, from chasing their dream. Um, yeah, we we've had we we had a uh, when when I got to meet I got to meet Brooks, and he he said he's like he's like once you leave here, it doesn't get any better. That's incredible. Okay, this is Brooks from Kep- a golf course standpoint. Brooks Kepka saying this. Yeah, yeah, he said he said the the life that you lead right now from a practice facilities and golf courses you get to play every week. You'll you'll find yourself on tour wishing you could go back and have one more go around your college schedule. That is absolutely incredible. Yeah. So you can use that as your soundbite to encourage guys to stay in stay in amateur golf a little longer that's and you know that's not coming from the disgruntled like 33 year old guy that bounces around the corn ferry that's coming from a major champion that has played everything right that's that's a hall of of famer yep yep and he said that you will miss college golf and uh, yeah yeah no for sure did he say for me to call him to have him on the podcast did he say that too that was, it was actually, it's funny. He, uh, he, it was right before he said that he, he, we were talking about you and how much he, you know, had wished that, you know, you guys had made the podcast work. Um, so I think, I think you should keep your phone close by oh, just in case, okay. just in case his agent gives you a ring in I, the near future. I, I, I'll do that. I see what's happening. I think there's a chance. Okay. All right. I'll do that. Now you're just messing with me because we're at the end of the episode. All right, Cole. <laughs> All right. I'm going to get you out of here. Uh, get some rest. I know you got a busy fall and then, yeah, the spring's going to kick in. But uh, glad we're able to get you on the podcast, and and really appreciate the stories from uh, from Maine and from your incredible summer. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll do it again soon. And I appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. it was a pleasure as always. And there you have it. Special thanks to Cole Anderson for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. Don't forget to follow along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Every episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. We'll see you next time here at the back of the range.